Welcome to Rex's Bible Minute, a weekly video where we talk about Jesus, Christianity, and anything along those lines. Uh, we try to study the Bible and let it say what it says. Uh, we are in week number 13 of our study of the Exodus story. So uh, if this is your first time joining us, welcome. We're glad you're here with us. Um, Something you should know is every single one of these is done sequentially, meaning we're, we're, we're talking about the story and the account and the section of the scripture with the understanding that y you know what's come before. So we're not going to spend a lot of time on context, um, and so I would recommend you go back and, and start at the beginning and work your way forward, um, but otherwise, uh, we're happy to have you. So uh, we're going to be covering chapter 10 this week, um, and... Uh, Last week, you might have noticed, if you watch these every week as they come out, I missed last week. I unfortunately had uh, had COVID last week, so uh, I'm still recovering a little bit from that. Uh, the exhaustion stuff is is very real. Um, you know, I don't know a lot of people talk about how uh, there's about three weeks of just exhaustion that comes after, and that's that's very much uh, real in my experience so far. Um, so I'm gonna do things a little bit differently than I do for the sake of. Uh, my own energy levels and giving this all it needs to be given. I am not going to read the entire section today. Um, I will summarize it instead. And if you want, go ahead and pause this video uh, or the, the podcast, depending on how you're listening to it or watching it, and uh, and read the whole section. Read all of chapter 10. Um, let me at least do the setup that we are still in the midst of the 10 plagues. We're coming up on the last few. These are numbers 8 and 9. Uh, and so where you're going to read about the locusts and uh, darkness. And essentially, um, what has been happening is, is the stakes are getting higher, but God isn't annihilating Egypt. He has a purpose here, and his purpose is to declare himself to the world, that he is a God unimposed, that he is the sovereign ruler of the universe, and that within supposedly the most powerful gods on the planet's territory, this, this cosmic geography, um, Egypt, he is announcing himself, and these supposed gods can't do anything to stop him. So that's what we're in the middle of, is these ten plagues. So stop the video here, stop the podcast here, and uh, and read chapter 10 for yourself. And when you're done, pick back up. All right, so I'm assuming you read it, uh, and I appreciate you uh, adjusting with me this week as I'm, I'm trying to recover from COVID and get back into things. Um, but basically, the two plagues that we saw were the locusts and the darkness. Um, and essentially, these two are, are, are kind of the death knell for the Egyptians' God's power, right? So the locusts are a plague that, that every culture pretty much everywhere has been uh, at, at, at the mercy of locusts are these little bugs that you know they, they depending on the species they, they incubate underground for you know whether a couple years or a lot of years you know so I think some species even uh, have an underground life cycle of, of a decade even um, but when they come out they pretty much devour anything green and if you've got enough of them that come out all at once it can be absolutely devastating and we look at throughout history we have recorded incidents where nature Nations and cities and, 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 and empires are crippled because of the, these locusts. And so we see that, that Seth, uh, the Egyptian god of storms and disorder, he would be the one that would be responsible for protecting the Egyptians against this. Well, 
Unfortunately, he's, he's not able to, or maybe fortunately, depending on your perspective here. But we see that God is still trying to get Pharaoh to bend the knee, to humble himself. And you might have read up to this point in the story and been like, well, he's, he's humbled himself, right? He's asked for forgiveness. He's, he's begged Moses to pray for him. Like, he's humbled himself. But if you read the account, you see that he really truly hasn't. You know, we talked a couple weeks ago about how when you ask for forgiveness— it's not about the big flowery speech. It's not about how well you ask for forgiveness. It's about your heart. We looked at the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector at the temple that Jesus points them both out. And the Pharisee prays this big flowery speech. And then the tax collector quietly to himself just begs God for forgiveness by simply saying, Forgive me, O Lord, a sinner. I am a sinner. His heart was in it. He didn't need the flowery speech. Pharaoh here has has made progress, right? He started out this this encounter with with Moses and with Yahweh uh, by saying, you know, there's no God, and I don't know who the God of the Israelites. Are. All right, I'm not going to do what he says. To now, he's acknowledged him, and then and now he's even asked for the God's forgiveness, but he still hasn't humbled his heart. And so we see here in this encounter with the locust that that God has a purpose here. Right, I love the way that the NRSV translate this, this verse. First section, it says, Go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his officials, in order that I may show these signs of mine among them, and that you may tell your children and grandchildren how I have made fools of the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them. I love that. Like God's purpose here is to show the foolishness of human power, right? He has made fools of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, the most powerful nation on the planet, the civilization that has reached the highest highs up to this point in recorded history, right? They have the Nile. They are the most secure. They are the most powerful. Nobody can touch them. Geography is on their side. Climate is on their side. Economics are on their side. Egypt is the most blessed, most powerful nation on the planet, and Pharaoh is the most powerful man on the planet. And God has made them look like fools. And so we see that this this eighth plague it really reiterates this point that Pharaoh has to humble himself. These last three plagues, the stakes get higher and higher. Because when Pharaoh eventually gives, as he always does, he says, sure, take, take, uh, take, you have to leave your families, but you can come. No, that's not what God asked for. At first, Moses seems like he's willing to accept compromise. But as we get further and further along, it's more explicit that really... God and Moses aren't willing to take any exception. So we see here that, that Pharaoh says, you can take your family, take your little ones, just have a good time, but you got to leave your animals, you got to leave your livestock. And Moses, well, what good is that? Like, what good is that if we can't make sacrifices, God, if without anything to make sacrifices with? And so we see that ultimately Pharaoh won't listen. He has not humbled himself before God. And then we see darkness fall, the ninth plague. Ra, probably one of the most famous gods of the Egyptian pantheon besides Isis, uh, the sun god, the one who keeps the sun in the sky. But Moses is the tool through which God uses to bring about darkness on the land of Egypt, this prelude to the future fate of the Egyptian empire. 
I mean, we see that the God has left their food stories alone in the fact that he hasn't sent the plagues of the insects, of the locusts, to destroy their food crops. He's destroyed the barley. He's destroyed the flax, the things to make clothes and beer out of. But he, he hasn't attacked their ability to feed themselves. But he is making a message here. And when we see that the sun does not shine, that there is darkness all over the land, it's a terrifying thing. And here's why it's truly terrifying. Because Ra, the cult of Ra, he is the most worshipped God in all the land of Egypt. He is the biggest God, the most powerful God, the most popular God. I mean, you got to remember, too, that, that people would choose their patron deities. I mean, if, if you want a kind of a, a Christian equivalent, you could kind of look at the Catholic model where certain organizations and certain people and certain nations and will, will kind of fixate on their chosen uh, saint that they, is their one that they choose to pray to. It's their favorite one, so they pray to them, you know. Ra was the most popular God in all of Egypt. He held the sun in the sky, in the Egyptian mind. Like the sun. Nothing causes the sun to not do what it does. Ra takes care of it. But here we see that this God of a slave nation can even stop Ra. It would have been terrifying to the people of Israel. It would be terrifying to us, right? Like he, and, and there's all kinds of arguments. Oh, this was just an eclipse that Moses co-opted. I, I, even if it was an eclipse, God caused it to happen specifically then. There's nothing less miracle, miraculous about this, even if it was just an eclipse. That now, at the ninth plague, God shows that he has power even over the sun god, almighty Ra. Our God, the God of the Hebrews, Yahweh, He is the undisputed ruler of the universe. Nothing can stop Him. And yet He loves His people so much that He acts in terrifyingly powerful ways on their behalf. And we see even after this, Pharaoh does what he does. You may go, but you have this stipulation, this compromise. And Moses finally, no. No compromises whatsoever. You're going to give us what the Lord demands of you. And Moses prays for Pharaoh, and the darkness ends. And it leads us up to the final plague. The most painful one, the most powerful one. If you have any questions please reach out. Otherwise, we'll see you next week.